podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Koshak goes down, penalty to pass with an old dropper. Barros tripped by Thomas Koshak, who sent off Lantari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores for Pompey. They lead an old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag sneak down, Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. Marquez! Marquez! He's won it! 96 minutes on the clock. Pass with a heading back to Wembley. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Welcome along to episode 8 of Three Lads in the Pub. Good evening, good morning, wherever you're listening from. Myself, Liam Howes here with Jeff. And Ryan for episode eight. We're back at the Shepherd's Crook for this one. Number eight. How are we at episode eight, boys? It's mental. And how have we got this far without being um, any legal action or anything, Jeff? I'm, I know. I'm... Well, 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 you know, we we have been close. Yeah, I mean, on episode one, Ryan nearly screwed it for us. But, I uh... have no idea to that which you refer to. Uh... But here we are, uh, back at the Shepherd's Crook. Uh, good to be back. Cheers to the guys for letting us come back. Uh, right, what have we gone for then? I've what, what, what have I got again? I just it looked pretty. You've got a, I uh, believe you've got a Carling dark fruit cider. Yeah, because it's sweet. That's why I've gone for that. What have you gone for? I've got a Crooks pale ale. Sounds good. How about you, Jeff? Uh, I'm on the Madry. It's quite a nice, refreshing lager. Ah, we really put, um, branched the boat this evening, aren't we? Right, I'm trying not to break anything while I'm here. Right, uh, lads, uh, how are we, Jeff? First of all, how are you doing? Yeah, been better. Still got, still got the uh, issues from a couple of weeks ago where I forgot where my car was. I, I, I have taken a picture of where it is tonight, <laughs> just, just in case I forget as I walk out of here. Yeah, because this is the last time you were here. You lost. It. That's why. Actually, the last episode here was where's my car, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah we know where it is today. How about, how about you, Ryan? How's things? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. We're into the new year now. We're getting back to football. No more postponements, which means I've been able to to get on the road get back to away games like I used to do yeah it's uh, a semblance of normality on that front is setting Sat- in Saturday of course yesterday uh, it's Sunday today Saturday felt a bit weird uh, every- all these other games going on FA Cup games couple of League One games no game for Pompey that's because they've been uh, causing trouble again in Devon 3-2 against Exeter what a game that was Ryan you went I, I did go yes um, I think it was 300 of us or so that went in the end <laughs> I can't. I cannot believe we've done it to Exeter again. And if you think back to the other, uh, the semi-final we won, you know, that sent us into Wembley for the second time, we didn't deserve to win that game either. And as of the second half, I believe our first shot of the second half was in the 86th minute. For you know, six minutes later, we're winning the game. Kind of which, feel a bit sorry for Exeter again. Uh, again, yeah, they they were so dogged they were they were a force unto themselves a credit to the competition but these these moments that we talk about of of being present right until the final whistle because the game remains alive until the final whistle that's what we've spoken about for a, a while when Pompey were going in on their their really poor run of form at the start of the season basically through the entire of of 2020 where Pompey would continually concede late goals or chuck away 2-0 leads you have to be present in the late stage of the game because the final whistle 
doesn't care. You know, the final whistle doesn't care what the score is. Ten minutes ago, the final whistle is the last action of the match. You have until that particular moment to make a play. We happen to make two. That that is as unfortunate as it gets for Exeter. It's us again, but it was absolutely glorious. Uh, an away terrace, not seats, a terrace, proper old-fashioned away end. Three hundred of us. It was an amazing Friday night, and then you you get Saturday scores coming in, knowing your team's already won. It's extremely satisfying. Do you know, Jeff? Um, I think it was last season. I mean, it was just definitely a season under jacket. We were called the shit in Blues. I believe they're back. Yeah, I, I believe they are. That's what my tweet said Friday. But um, you know, two things sprung to mind on 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 Friday night was. One, how many times has that happened to us over the last two or three years? And secondly, I just had this this reoccurring image of those Liverpool Newcastle games of, of in the Premiership. You know, Kevin Keegan slumped over the over the side of the hoardings when Stan Collymore smacked in the four, fourth one of a fourth, second full free game. And it's exactly the same thing. You know, Pompey Exeter have done done it again. You know, three two. So yeah, you, you know, like Ryan said, games are played out until that final final whistle and that final whistle could be 93, 94, 95 minutes although it was 100 and whatever minutes against Cambridge the other week I think it was like 120 when it clocked um, in that it was ridiculous so yeah but but come on let's be honest it was a it wasn't the greatest of performances but we somehow got over the line I'm going to allude to the performances of certain individuals because they looked let's be honest they looked rusty against Cambridge it was honestly one of the worst games I've watched um, how I've seen a couple of people describe it as exciting. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. I, I, think, I think people are conflating drama with exciting. Yeah, no. The actual on-display football... For a neutral, brilliant. Yeah, the it, actual on-display football was terrible. Yeah. Everything that happened in the day meant that it's probably a day that you talk about for a while, but the actual football product was terrible. But, However, we said on the podcast last week going into that game... That was to be expected. We did caveat it with we expected it to be maybe the first half that there were a, a bit of rustiness, a lack of cohesion. Both sides haven't played for a while. You expect that for the first half, but you ex- you expect their instincts and their natural habits to kick in after a while because they are professional footballers. It's like riding a bike. You essentially get back into a flow of things if you haven't ridden a bike for a long time. Unfortunately for the for spectators of both sides, the game just remained a shambles. The you know the entire affair, and neither side really got into their groove. Pompey did have that one last glorious chance to finish things, but didn't take it. With Exeter, they did, and that <laughs> it, it sounds very captain obvious to say these things. But again, the final whistle doesn't care who's played better. Final yeah. whistle cares about what the scoreline is. I'll come to some other individuals in a sec, um, Jeff, but good for you, Kubi. Sorry, Ronan Curtis uh, to come on <laughs> in. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he came on 63rd minute, come on, scored two goals in four minutes. Good for him to, to come and prove a point. He's been and, a bit, having a bit of a dry spell in front of goal. And, and we spoke about that maybe four weeks ago where we said, you know, Curtis will go out of the game and he'll miss the game, he'll come back in and he'll score one or two goals in the next game. And obviously he done that on Friday night. You know, I don't know why people are getting angst against Curtis lifting off, you know, taking off his top and having Yakubu's name scribbled out, scribbled out, and his name on there. At the end of the day, he is the leading goal scorer in the 21st century for Portsmouth. Irrespective of that, he's done it in you know League One, and Yakubu done it in the Premiership. 
That doesn't matter. The stat is he has scored the most goals in the 21st century Just for so clarity, far. before I get accused of taking the piss out of Curtis, I actually found it quite funny. that the uh, hey, you know, Fair play. I, <laughs> what I find more amusing is that not only has he done it, which he has a right to because whether or not it's, oh, Yukubu did it in the Premier League and Curtis has done it in League One, he's still done it. Yeah. You can only score against who's in front of you. Yeah, fair play. The more amusing thing is I believe... Uh, He's been waiting for that goal since October because I I, I believe the first time he was on, on for that record was the 2-2 draw at Accrington way that back when. a lot of marker pen. So it might be, yeah, so he's done it in marker pen. He's been wearing that undershirt for ages. I bet the kit people are well pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't right. wash it. Yeah. yeah, exactly, but no credit to him. And uh, people still have their opinions on him. Some of them are warranted. Some of them maybe yeah. less so. Yes, there can be a, a side of him that is unpalatable at times, but it, you know he's been here since 2018. This is his fourth season now. If you average 43, if you've got 43 goal, goals overall from primarily a wing position, I know he's up in a front two now, but he's primarily but been you a winger. More than that, can you? you can't if you're still averaging that. 10 goals a season from the wing position. That is, you know, fairly much a good return, especially if you're adding another 10 assists. You're, you're talking about in a season of 40, 50, you know, 46 to 50 games, depending on how many cups he plays in. You're still talking about a goals assists average of, of 20, which is almost a one in two return over the course of the season. Every season he's been here. Doesn't now, I call that productivity. I call that efficiency, regardless of what, you know, whatever you think of him. And he has to be praised for that. Doesn't that um, sort of ring alarm bells that we are desperately missing a striker if we're talking well, about I'd, figures I'd, like I'd, that from a uh, winger? I said this on social media the other day that for me that, that four week or four game break we kind of had um, just, it's just you know highlighted the, the lack of finishers we've got at, the, at in the final third. Now, Cambridge, it was abundant, abundantly clear that we had no finisher in, the, in in that side. Friday night, he went with the same formation and tried Mark, Marcus and Hurst up front. You know, I got slated for saying their, their finishing stats are pretty much the same. But they bring different attributes. Hurst will hold it up and, and Marcus will, will press. So it was an experiment. It was a game to try it in. Try it in that game. You're not going to lose anything if you if you lost. You either know it works or it, or it, or it doesn't. Um, but we are woeful in taking those chances. We've said it week after week. We have the highest turnover in the opposition's defensive third, our attacking third. Yet we are woefully bad at taking those chances. At some point, it's you know I know Danny and Nicky are trying to address it, and and they are looking for the right player to bring in. But that right player is going to come at a premium, uh, and you know it's and, and we we've read the article about location of Portsmouth, and and normally that's an issue when we're trying to bring players in not trying to offload players, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but for me, you've got to pay for that, that striker to come in, and you've got to pay top dollar. Yes, I understand we've got to offload people to free up the wages, but at some point you've got to go, right, we either do it now, and we've got three months to live with the burden of additional costs, or you go, do you know what, the season's over, we'll, we'll finish... 
seventh down to twelve, and we'll get that striker in in the summer. Yeah, I think overall, once again, we're we're stuck in the particular scenario where there is one thing wrong with this team. Despite the the poor performance at Cambridge, it led to ten games unbeaten in the league. Brilliant. That's five clean sheets in a row. Brilliant. That's technically 11 halves of football without conceding because Wimbledon scored 24 minutes in in, the, in that 2-1 win. In the midfield, he's getting more of a presence now that you're hoping that Thompson can be fit again. Tunnicliffe can come back from his injury and join Morel. But again, the, the issue is partially chance finishing, but it's chance creation as well. Because once again, we've gone an entire half without generating a shot on target. That happened in the first half of the Cambridge game. The goal against Exeter was the only shot on target of that first half. And our first shot of the second half was with four minutes to go. So, brilliant. We're getting out of Cambridge with a point when we haven't played for almost a month. I would have taken that before we went there. The game, you know, less promising. But I got what I would have accepted out of it. X2, we get through to the next round. Brilliant. The performances in the meantime need addressing. We have that same constant issue that, that threatens to, to keep us away from anything important this season. Heading into next week, <laughs> we have to go back to Cambridge again. Fuck me. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it, honestly like playing Wickham. They're yeah. such a dirty, yeah. time-wasting uh, gamesmanship side. And do you know what? Fair enough. Every single manager and football team in the land has employed it once upon a time. Cambridge are a team that are just uh, palatable with doing it every game. And if it works to keep them in the league, which it is currently doing, then that's what you do to survive. You do anything to survive. Let's go go on to that Cambridge game. Sorry, Jeff. No, go on. No, just coming on to that Cambridge game. Obviously, um, it's not what we wanted to be going back there again on Tuesday. No, and they're going to be on a massive high, aren't they, after after beating Newcastle. And I was just looking at the stats there between the Cambridge game and the Exeter game. You know, against Cambridge, we had 13 shots and only two on target with 67% possession. And then um, on Friday, we had 10 shots, four on target. Obviously, we scored three. And, and the possession-wise was around about 62-63%. So, you know, very similar stats, but more efficient with, with taking those chances on, on Friday. But there's, look, there's still a lot of work to do. Cambridge is going to be a massive high. Um, and we said it the other week about going into the game at Exeter. If we go out, it's no such loss. With games now being Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, or Monday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, whatever they're going to end up being with, with the Papa John's games in there as well. So, Yeah, uh, how are you feeling heading to, heading to Tuesday? I know you just sort of summed up that you don't really want to go back there. but Yeah, it's not a comfortable team for anyone to play really, certainly for us because there are times where we can let the emotion of the game get to us. We get involved in silly little challenges, bickering with the referee. I do think sometimes we lack a, a certain discipline that keeps us out of trouble. We've seen some really nasty challenges so far this season. Needless challenges. I thought Liam liked uh, Williams' challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But heading into that game, Exeter was the continuation of a trend that is one of the most important trends you can have in football. I, I know we've, you know, we've talked about the downsides over the past week, but 
we've also spoken about the positives of being present late within games. We created that one last glorious chance against the Resolute Cambridge side and we created the chances to go out and beat Exeter. Over the course of the game, we have, a, we have an issue with creating chances, but something we weren't doing a while ago is remaining present within games. We're doing that now because we that Ronan Curtis chance against Cambridge, that still happened. Whether Irrespective of whether or not he took it, we still had the the capacity to get that one last opportunity to win the game it's all about whether or not you take it that was completely missing from our side during the latter stage of the kenny jacket rain certainly in his last season where if we weren't winning by the half hour mark we weren't winning i think there was only one game last season under jacket where if we weren't winning after the half an hour mark we didn't actually we actually won the game with with an hour to go that's yeah. ridiculous Heading into this season, we were having the same issues. If we weren't sort of winning by half-time, that was it for us. We had no late-game presence. But then you take in the, the late winner at Gillingham, the turnaround victory against Wimbledon, the last Garth siege defence stand against Wickham to, to basically keep the three points and take it home to Fratton Park. I know we were 2-0 up at Crystal Palace, but the third goal in stoppage time is the reason we went through from the group stage. At 2-0, we weren't going anywhere. The third goal actually sends us through. All of a sudden, we're making late-game plays and game-changing late-game plays that are affecting our season for the better. Exeter is now a continuation that we're experiencing since that Ipswich game, since we've gone on this run of form. And, of course, the action game in itself, uh, the, the 86th-minute equaliser, we, have no, we had no presence from the 75th minute onwards not too long ago. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing games where we are popping up at vital times to either create chance, to either create chances to win games or we're actually taking these chances to salvage something. Heading into Cambridge, it's not a game I'm looking forward to. A, because we've just been there. B, because of what Cambridge are. C, because we've not been particularly brilliant over the last week since you know our postponements of Leicester's a little rusty. But... Our race in the hole is, look at what we've been over the past couple of months. We have been a team that creates that one chance, or in the case of Exeter, two chances, to turn defeat into draw, draw into victory. Now, I know going into that game that, realistically, we're still in it at the very death. And that's the best thing you can be in football, alive right until the last and, whistle. And, and I think players are getting fitter, I think... You, you rightly say there, you know, we were getting to 75 minutes and we were tailing off. I think because we, we in the first part of the season, we were expending so much energy in those first 20, 25 minutes that when we got to the last 15, 10 minutes, the players had nothing left. I think now they've got used to that and they've got used to the system. Their fitness levels have increased. Therefore, they can go into the 93rd, 94th minute and not be affected yeah, you know, obviously players tire out. That's natural, but I just believe their fitness levels have gone up, and that's why we're seeing these these late on goals. Which before, you know, teams Pompey teams of old would have crumbled under that. What do you do with a team, Jeff? I I I put out I would put out the strongest team going because it one it builds you know Ryan's favorite favorite person momentum, and secondly, it, you know you you build that cohesion and and and. Get that rustiness out of out of your strongest side. Yeah, um, Ryan. Yeah, for Team Tuesday, you've got a tough game against Milton Keynes on Saturday. They'll be a side that keep most of the ball possession. They'll 
look to work it. They'll look to work every single blade of grass of that Fratton Park pitch. Your defence is like to be under pressure for a lot of the time. So, do you focus on what will be one of your tougher physical tasks of the season in terms of the amount of hard defensive running you're you're likely to have to do against a side like MK Dons? Or do you want these games to come thick and fast so you can build up the players' fitness having lost three weeks of football and, you know, even training you've lost weeks off because we've had to shut the the training sessions down because of COVID? Do you want players playing a lot of games right now? Potentially so. I imagine it might be a, a game day call. It would be which players he feels, you know, he'll be on that bus and he'll be on that training ground looking at players who are just rocking back and forth a little bit, who want to get involved in this one. Again, not a great shame if we go out of this one, but the fact that Cowley's come out and said, this is a this is a good time to get another game of football, I think we're expecting another strong side to, to show up on Tuesday. I think you can make five subs in the, in the Papa John's as well. So I think that will come into play, you know, get a goal, maybe two goals, and then you'll see all five substitutions being used. And it will be that attacking quintet of of five you know two forwards the number 10 role and, and and the two central midfielders will be the ones that will be rotated through let's um let's move on about from cambridge because i don't want to talk about them anymore because i'm still um yeah, suffering well, you from know the... your picture comes up every time there's They're gonna be a blind. dour dour pompey performance your picture <laughs> from we, that cambridge I mean, game i know will we've be got used. we've got a good dinner of the week but if i, if I could choose another one to be their supporters that the way they celebrated that nil nil draw bloody hell anyway um, All we need is Harry Jewett White. I'm yeah. not. I'm not making. I'm not putting two and two together equals five. But he came on the 88th minute, and we were winning by the 93rd minute. Yeah, fair I know we didn't score either goal, but I'm just saying Harry Jewett White yeah. is is the uh, the magic effect. So let's talk about our uh, one of our favourite subjects. We've been building up to it. We're well nine days into the into the window now. January transfer window. We've seen one two departures. Ellis Harrison has signed. Uh, he's gone for, to Fleetwood. Believe we actually got a fee for him, which is uh, well, great. Um, how that that's happened, I don't know. Um, also, uh, Haji Minogue has gone out on loan to Weymouth, I believe, uh, for the season. So, first of all, Jeff uh, Ellis Harrison. I mean, d- never really worked out for the lad, has it? It hasn't, it, you know. And I, I, I've had the opportunity just to speak to Ellis a couple of times, and I've always found him, uh, you know, a likable person. Now, someone put on Twitter to me today, said, okay, you've never liked him for whatever reason. I've never said that I've never liked him. I just think for someone who had the reputation he did at Bristol Rovers initially to get his move to Ipswich and then coming to us, I just expected more from him. Um, You know, he got a big move at the time to Ipswich. He's got a dare we call it a second big move and at either club it's never worked out for him you know now a lot of people so typical Harrison scored and I know you joked about it or you know put your tweet out there Harrison nine minutes but let's be realistic he scored against a very poor Doncaster side so you know fair play to him well done you've scored yes you've only just gone straight into the team you know I hope he does really well at Fleetwood and and we'll just leave it as that, I think. We have this... The, 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 the biggest thing is that he's wages off the bill. Exactly. We have this odd little habit of once... A, we, we talk a player out of the door for half a year. And then once that player leaves, we have this odd little habit as a fan base of, of bigging up his strengths. And that it, it didn't work out uh, at this club, you know, for Harrison or insert X player here. 
but it wasn't their fault. And, oh, it, it, this is the reason it didn't work out. Sometimes an underwhelming player is just an underwhelming player. We paid, I think it was around 350000 yeah, pounds for him. Twice in his career has he scored above 10 goals. And in his, in his first season here, he's never really been a goal scorer at Bristol Rovers again. His highest goal scoring record for them was in the conference. He had one good year in League One for goals. Never really lit up the touch paper at Ipswich. Comes here. Certainly doesn't light up the touch paper here either. But in that first year, you do see him you do see him work the back line intelligently. There is an intelligence to the way he tried to get into the space. He would pick battles against particular defenders that he felt were we're going to lose their patience, snap him down, get yellow carded. I remember a particular home game against Ipswich in which he targeted Toto Inciala from the get-go. Oh, uh, yeah. And he had to, Inciala had to get subbed off after 35 minutes because he'd been booked and he was a challenge away from a red. So in that first season, Harrison had a, a nous for picking someone out or picking a, a particular area of the pitch out and say, I, I'm going to win this battle and it's going to help my team win this game. And um, there are a couple of times that season he did, but again, people have been trying to talk him up since he left. No, let, let's just call a, what has been a poor Pompey career a poor Pompey career. We don't need to almost feel apologetic about the fact he's gone. We've got rid of him for a reason. We wish him well in his future, but I'm, I'm not going to start waxing lyrical about him. It's good. It is good that he's gone because he wasn't getting it delivered for us and we need the wage budget free for someone else if, if your match tactics are to throw 50 crosses into the box throughout a 90 minutes Ellis Hansen will score you two or three of those crosses if that, if you, but you've got to have a high ratio of, of crosses and decent crosses going into the box because that's his threat he's, he's, he's an aerial presence he bullies defenders you know that, that game against Enciana that is the one that sticks out for me you know he, he proper bullied him off the pitch now, but if you want to play through the thirds and get it up there on the deck, and all right, Ellis Harrison isn't your player for that. He really yeah. isn't. But never, he's gone now. Never, so. never did it for me on a personal note. Like, I just, I think the opportunities he did have, never took them. Um, yeah, I mean, good luck to him. But yeah, good, good to get him off the off the wage bill because, I mean, I imagine, obviously, he was signed at the sort of time when we were chucking money at players like we were. You know, you don't really want that wage bill. It's just, you know, throwing money away, isn't it, really? You know, it's, it's freed up now. I don't think he would have signed if we were getting him three weeks later because John Marquis became available. If we had got Marquis earlier, we would never have signed Ellis Um Reports saying now, obviously, on the subject of Marquis, um, that we're, you know, more than likely he won't go this window. Uh, how does that news sort of bear with you, Ryan? It just means he goes at the end of the season. Okay. No, I mean, do you feel personally that we need to shift him on in January if we can? I don't feel we need to shift him in January because I, I'm prepared to put this season in the bin and, and prepare for the next one. The next season for me is the no excuse season. You get to have a list of, uh, and we've been pulling out uh, the excuse you know, handbook, which we'll get onto in a minute once again but this season there's been a lot of well there's this that and the other that's affected our preparations affected what we're going to do this season you have no excuse next season with the the war chest you get to play with the amount of the Kenny Jacket signings that Cowley is is able to get rid of because their contracts are up some of his own signings were one year deals with an option 
In terms of next season, there are no excuses for not going out there and launching this ult upon the league. And as I said last week, I, I am all for putting ourselves in the best position possible in order to enable that. Now, Mark was leaving in January. Mark was leaving at the end of his contract this season. Affects that neither way. You know, the end result is still the same. He's off the wage bill for this summer. I personally don't care if whether it's now or the end of the season. It's, again, it's, I wouldn't say it's... To the extent of Harrison, it's, it's one of those where it's not been a complete failure, but it still hasn't worked out to the way we'd wanted it to. Because between the combination of John Marquis and Ellis Harrison... We bought them, what, in the, the summer of 2019, so the 19-20 season. We spent £1.5 million in the third tier of English football to rebuild our forward line. Three years later, and technically two and a half years later, we are rebuilding that forward line. You don't spend a million and a half pounds in the third tier of football to reinvent your striking partnership to dismantle it for almost nothing two and a half years later now on that basis you don't maybe call each player a complete and utter failure in terms of their timing because John Marquez still has maybe you know one in three one in four goals it's not complete failure it's just not worked out but if you put them two together as an investment and what they were meant to be the future of Pompey's forward line the forward line that was meant to take us to the championship one and a half million pounds dismounted within two and a half, three years. That is complete and utter failure. That is a total collapse in terms of what they were meant to be and what they are. We're di we've dismantled what was meant to be the forward line that was going to take us forward. We're, again, whether Marquis leaves now or in the summer, it makes no difference. We may as well just reboot the forward system. There you go. Jeff, anything you, want to add, anything you want to add to that? No, listen, I'd, I said last week I'd, I'd, I'd keep him till the summer myself as well. But I still think I still think he's he he will score probably another three or four or five goals between now and the end of the season. Definitely, you know, you give him an opportunity. There's there is no way he's not going to score five or you know four or five more goals. <clears throat> now, for me, the key player to get out the door is Paul Downing. Yeah. That is the one, you know, there is a player there. He's obviously a confidence player. We signed him on a three-year contract. And say he's on, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, three grand a week. With around maybe four, four and a half grand that Harrison may have been on. Well, there's seven grand a week you can now reinvest in, 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 into players. You know, and we're, we're alleged to be paying five grand of George Hoyas. 12 grand a week wages you know so listen we've said it many times we said it earlier today if you want a striker who's going to score you 10 to 15 goals between now and the end of the season that comes at a premium where do you stand on George Hurst now obviously scored in the cup um, you know his name was rumoured that he was potentially going to be one of the players that head, heads back Gassana had to be we are hearing he's heading back now um, where are you with Hurst Ryan Hurst has done a lot to at least change the narrative from a solid no to a question mark. I don't think you can be sold on Hurst staying automatically, as I still feel that you know, there are 
gaping swaths in his play during games. Like the goal at Exeter actually disguised what was a really poor performance from him and indeed the partnership overall between him I and Marcus. I actually thought we would get a penalty. If, it, if he doesn't score that, we would have got a penalty oh, yeah. for, for the pushing the Marcus uh, Absolutely, back. yeah. But that, that goal disguised what was a, a poor performance. But again, he's to his credit, he's changed the narrative from a certain no to a question mark. In terms of Harrison leaving, however, and Ahadmi leaving... And now that we're reliant on playing a front two, if Hurst goes, he has to go on the condition that someone replaces him straight away. So here's what what happens if he goes, Harrison goes, your, your starting line for, let's say, the trip to Sunderland is Curtis and Marquis with whom on the bench to, to, to come off the bench. That's the problem now. So, so here's a hypothetical question. You need to find 5K somewhere. To, to supplement their, say, 4K from from Harrison and, uh, you know, it had me going back and that. So say that's, say that's 6K. And you've got the opportunity to bring a championship striker in and you need 9K. You know John Marquis isn't going to go out the door and you need to find that additional funds. Do you send Hurst back? knowing that you can get a championship quality striker in through the door. That's that's the question. That's the question. And I think Danny Cowley is brave enough to make that make that call because he knows what he will get. This is where next season comes into play because <laughs> what what are you paying for that championship striker? Because you pay over the odds in January. Unless I mean getting him on loan, not uh, not permanent. Loan. Uh, on loan. If it's on loan, you have to do it. Yeah, you have to do it. But then it, the element of that is, what is the championship striker's half season so far? Is he playing football? Is he, you know, if, if he's a bench warmer, then what's the point? Because at least with Hurst, the more games you get, the more you might get him up to speed. And again, to his credit, he is starting to change his own narrative. You're almost going back to square one if you bring in a championship or a, a forward at a championship club who isn't playing. Because then you're taking a, a Miguel Aziz risk. You're taking a risk upon a talent that, you know, their name has been floated around the, the internet waves for a while now, but is untested in men's football. Now, that's the thing you have to be careful of because Miguel Aziz, quite frankly, he should be going as well. You know, I've seen enough. Definitely. Yeah. Her, he's going to be on a fair whack as well. Exactly. So Hurst is... You'd need to replace him with someone who can step into the main game straight away. Especially, you know, let's say he comes midway through January. You contend with MK Dons. You contend with Sunderland. Plymouth. Oxford's coming up. Wimbledon, a very physical team. We've still got to play that. We played game, I believe it's on the 18th, 19th, something like that. You're not coming into a league where you get away with much. You, you get given nothing for free in this league. As we are finding out the hard way... And we're still trying to rebuild our, you know, our season as a result. Yeah, the hypothetical around Hurst leaving is is a fascinating one. But the key criteria is whoever you, if he does go, the person you bring in in his step has to go, has to be able to go straight away. There you go. Uh, right, moving on, lads, because we could be talking about this for for, for days on end now. Uh, but the next uh, topic on the agenda, our favourite. Um, topic it is Dub and Din of the Week um, right okay so Dub Din 
And I'm going to be honest with everyone listening to this podcast. We have just had to pause the recording because I'm basically, I'm going to describe myself here. If there's children listening, I apologise. I am a twat. I really am. I've, I'm <laughs> flying to New York tomorrow morning and I've had to do a COVID test, obviously, before I can fly. And I've done a video call before I come record the podcast. You have to do it. Someone has to watch you shove this stick up your nose. I've sent the result off. It's come at negative, so I'm all clear of COVID. I've got an email while we're recording this podcast. Ryan sat there, you know, talking about what, you know, whatever he's talking about. And, I, I, and I've read my email and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I can't fly because it says not detected. And there's me thinking, oh, my God, that means the results come up as they can't detect whether I've done a, a proper test or not. So I'm sitting here panicking. And I've just shown Jeff the email and he's told me that it says that COVID's not detected. I really am a dick. Do you know what makes it worse? I'm actually dyslexic as well and I understood it. I really am a dick. <laughs> Jeff had looked at that email for exactly 0.4 seconds and gone, no, it says cut SARS COVID. I think, COVID I think the giveaway was that it was highlighted in green. In green. <laughs> I really am an idiot, boys. I'm, I'm, I can't explain how stupid I am. But but you've you've missed something out of that story. The fact that you had to climb into a biffa stack bin and get bin juice all over you Can to I get the test paper out before doing your Shall test. Shall I tell everyone that? Right. So to do this test, you have to. Um, this is completely irrelevant to football, by the way, but it's, it's definitely worth sharing. Um, they send you this bit of paper with a barcode on, which you put the result on, take a picture, and send it to them. What idiot threw it in the bin and didn't know me? Um, I was on the Zoom call and I had to run out and I literally went headfirst into this bin to get this bit of paper and I was covered in bin juice and upstairs nappies and all that and yeah, finally, finally got there. What an idiot! Anyway, back Absolute to the bin. that's dinner of the year. That that take that takes it for me. He's a, that takes it of me for dinner. Of the emailing year. the company as well, basically <laughs> moaning at them, doing a Karen, <laughs> saying I don't understand. It's uh, clearly negative, and they'll probably just, go. Yes, Mr. Howes, it is negative. If there was clown. something that Liam Howes could do like, to show, mug himself off, that is it. That is, I just, I'm what never going to, I'm going to take that to my grave. What makes Dinner of the Week uh, oh, being God. given to How you can more be, impressive be, yeah, go on. is that you are the first person and or thing to receive it twice. Yep. And these were the contenders you beat for Dinner of the Week. Oh, do you remember the uh, December 2006 Goal of the Month competition, where it's like the greatest Goal of the Month competition ever? The uh, you know the second week of January Dinner of the Week competition is levels of that. So Liam gets Dinner of the Week, quite rightly so. Contenders for Dinner of the Week included uh, a certain group of Pompey fans that continued to sing and drum away while the uh, Cambridge fans suffered the medical incident at the game on Monday. Uh, In their extremely shite defence, they claimed that they didn't know what was going on. It is tough to tell if there's a medical incident occurring at a football game. It's even tougher to tell when uh, the ball stops moving, the players stop moving. St. John's Ambulance. St. John's Ambulance comes screaming onto the field like prime Viv Solomon Otterbore, rushing into the home end, and everything else in the stadium falls silent so it is tough to tell if there is something going on uh, especially when all that is happening at the same time oh wait don't give us the bullshit it was really really poor so that was one contender contender number two actually goes to the football club of colchester united which postponed their league two fixture with rochdale 23 minutes before kickoff due to a waterlogged pitch 
the most famous thing about Rochdale is that it's not near Colchester. That's a long way for those fans to have to travel. Yeah, to, poor, 23 minutes to go, you're in the stand. You are in the stadium watching warm-ups, and they, they call the game there. And contender number three is whatever the he- fresh hell happened with Alex Bass's kit on Friday night. Yeah. The, <laughs> the grey-blue-blue combo. Uh, it honestly looked like he'd been to PE's Lost and Found. Or he'd had to go to when we dug out the loft at PITC and put all the stuff on the memorabilia store. He's actually wearing, uh, you know, shorts from 10 years ago. They couldn't find a shirt that had bass on, so they went to the next closest thing that was Angelos Bassanas. (laughs) (laughs) But dinner of the week, Liam Howes. That took some beating. Did I win? That list list took some beating, Liam. You've done well there, mate. Yeah. Dub of the week. Uh... It has to be Ronan Curtis. If you come on yeah. with, with less than half an hour to go and you score two goals at the death to keep your team alive in a competition, them's the rules. You you get dub of the week. Liam's still shaking his head. Liam, enjoy just, New York. Uh, well, I just can't believe it. I hope they wave the magic wand at your head because they'll detect nothing there. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe... I, I, I hope you tell that to uh, immigration when you get to the JFK. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that moment, lads. But that was that was golden. It only I could do that. Uh, but yeah, congratulations, Ronan Curtis. Yeah, fair play. There's no. There was no. There was a clear clear winner there for dub of the week. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I deserve dinner of the week, dinner of the year for that. Um, right, moving on. Uh, interesting uh, topic. I'm going to hand over to Ryan and Jeff now because. If I'm honest, I'm completely out the loop here, so you're going to fill well, me he, in. He's been too busy trying to get his hotel refunded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to borrow someone else's COVID Get the bin kit. juice out of his ears. Uh, <laughs> but there's been some, talking of juicy bin juice, there's some juicy gossip, isn't there? Yeah, um, this article, you know it's bad when people on social media are asking us to talk about a topic on the podcast. No one ever says, oh, you need to talk about this on the podcast. And it's a good thing to talk about. So it, it refers to a news article that came out. Danny Cowley talking about how Pompey is a tough location when it comes to, you know, procuring players, getting rid of players during the transfer windows. Uh, we'll retweet it later on. So, you know, people ha- can have this in front of their eyes. I don't want to read through the entire article. I understand the premise of Cowley's point in that for some players... It's not all about uh, a monetary decision, moving clubs. Sometimes you have families, you have commitments, you don't want to move them 250 miles to deepest, darkest, you know, Yorkshire, to, to uproot everything that they are. But ultimately, you know this going into the job. Every single football club has their own unique challenges to overcome in the transfer window. If we're going on the basis that locations can be tough, Plymouth should be a non-league club, considering it shares a dialing code with Narnia. <laughs> Car- no one would ever play for Carlisle, although they're in a fair amount of trouble anyway. I, I, I understand the premise of his point, but the point would be less egregious if we weren't surrounded, completely surrounded by football clubs that are light years ahead of us in almost every aspect. Brighton, Reading... That lot down the road, Bournemouth, uh, all southern teams, all in this same geographic region, Pompey in, light years ahead. No problem procuring players. It, it see, 
this article exists because of John Marquis. Because we all know John Marquis wanted to leave Doncaster and come down south because that's where his family is. And I fully understand that. I respect that he's <clears throat> making a career choice based on not what he wants, but what's good for his family. I know we've dug on John Marquis, but I have maximum respect for that. And as a father myself, I can certainly understand it. So I'll, I'll credit him that. And I can, I can empathise that that when he was linked with Mansfield, he didn't want to move his family all the way back up there because Mansfield and Doncaster are actually not a million miles apart. Mansfield's a good 200 miles away from here. I can again respect that. I'm not going to, you know, begrudge Marquis not uprooting his family again. What I take, what I take an issue with is that we've, we've had this entire story come out now because of one player's circumstances. Oh, Portsmouth's in a tough location to... Uh, you know to uproot players and procure players from the other end of the country we've literally just sold a player to the other end of the goddamn country his name was ellis harrison you can't tell us pompey are in a tough location when we're surrounded by football clubs that have left us in the mud in the distance in the past we are an afterthought compared to bournemouth and brighton oxford apparently we're, we're finding it tough to compete with oxford it's a boat racing town, which, funny enough, is in the south. Oh, I'm sure it's very cheap to live in Charlton. Yeah, I can't imagine central London being an expensive place to live. We've just sold a player it's, it's to a northern a... football club, and now we're going, oh, it's tough to sell players to northern clubs. We've taken an entire story and given ourselves this, ooh, pity us with Portsmouth, because of one player's circumstances. If you're going to have a crap window, own it. Don't it, fob exactly, us off. Exactly. It's just a rehash of the normal story we get of players don't want to move down here because um, the expense of moving from up north with the cost of living and everything else. What we're getting now is a rehash of that story to say, well, the cost of living up north is, is a lot cheaper. And, you know, down south, they like it down here, so they don't, may not want to move. Come on. Own the situation. If you're not going to get the players in that you don't want, oh, oh sorry, you need in January you can't get them in January just be honest with it and say look it wasn't financially viable the, the or, 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 or they wanted too much money or whatever now I uh, Ipswich Ipswich and Norwich now Norwich obviously you know in higher leagues not, but Ipswich did they have, a, uh, have the same problem bringing 19 new players in Ipswich is stuck on the arse end of England <laughs> out on the east coast did they have the same However, problem? I'll, it's, yeah. I will, nothing, I will, you, you have to drive 45 minutes it's to get the, anywhere It's the timing of the, of the story as well. It's, we didn't wake up one morning and Portsmouth was in the fucking south. <laughs> We've been here for the whole of history. It's not as if we were fucking next door to Inverness and then some prick put us on the back of a flatbed and took us down here. We've always been in the south. This shouldn't be news to you. We've always been a southern side. You know what you're working with. Stop giving us these shit someone excuses. Somewhere, someone somewhere. I have full respect for the boys at the news. I have full respect for Danny Cowley but this is absolutely Turgid. Yeah, but someone somewhere <laughs> thinks this was a good story to put out. Oh I'm not. Gosh. I'm not having a dig at the boys at the news or Danny Cowley or whatever. Oh, they knew but what they someone were doing. in the corridors of power in the in in Portsmouth Football Club thought, "Oh yeah, if we say this, they'll buy that." They <laughs> they, take they wonder why the fans <laughs> that, can't that is, be asked. We we've forgotten we're a Southern club. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've just bought a new house. Where is it? Carlisle. The best thing about that is ITV Weather just came on and I can confirm we're still a Southern club. Now, you can see it now, on a map. 
now, stuff it. Yeah, I, I know Meridian go on die. about MK Don's score results on a Saturday night just for the Wimbledon fans who are still living in Wimbledon. But come on, do again, us a favour. Uh, again, for a little... I do understand the premise of his point. Some players will not make decisions based on money. They'll make decisions based on their family and on their commitments. And he is also correct that some places are advantageous geographically. If you play in Birmingham, you're never more than two hours away from anything because trains go like that nowadays. And, uh, you know, most footballers get away with speeding tickets anyway. So I understand elements of the story and elements of the story are true but we've based an entire article and our entire transfer window boo-hoo woe is me Portsmouth just because John Marquis has a family it's that's not you, you're using his family to basically say well we're going to have another crap window yeah, that, that's not, not our, fair it's not our fault he yeah. didn't want to move you, don't, you know you pay to him no, you know what the guy signed a three year contract now I've been I've been in a similar situation while I was in the army and you're told you're being posted up north it's not a nice feeling to go through, especially being a, especially being, being in the north. <laughs> well, no, well, well, yeah, but you know, being a Pompey boy, yes, I joined the army to get away from Portsmouth and where I grew up on Halen. But you, you get posted back down here, and you know, you're around your friends, you're around your family, now, and all of a sudden, you get told you're getting post, posted to, um, you know, new, near Newcastle, or you're getting posted up to the Midlands, whatever. You go, I've got no, no family network around me i've got nothing you know it is it is quite daunting moving to a new area and all that so i have have some empathy with with john and his family around that but the club over the last three or four seasons have preached we want to be loyal to our contracts that was the mantra we heard week in week out when the pressure was against kenny jacket now john marquis has signed a three-year contract he is more than entitled to, to, to be here until the summer transfer window. Yeah, absolutely. Marquis deserves none of the flack for this. If anything... It's the club. While, while, while as a footballer, we all have our issues, but as jo- John Marquis the person I address, I, I fully respect that if this article does stem from the fact that he was linked with Mansfield and said no, I fully respect that if it's made for family decisions. John Marquis the footballer and John Marquis the person are two entirely different entities. John Marquis the person, I've got full respect for, for making a, a family-centred decision. But the, the, the fallout, the, the outcome of that decision is this just honking story. And the fans are seeing right through it. As much as... People were going, oh, you clearly didn't read the article on, on Twitter. Every time you put something to writing, it doesn't matter if you're a, a journalist. Again, we're not digging at the newsboys here. We're just going with you know the story and breaking down what Portsmouth's uh, you know, opinion is on this. Every time you put anything to print or anything to a verbal medium, a visual medium, you can read as much into what they are saying as what they aren't saying. Yeah, it's all about what, as much as what you don't read is what you do read. The fact we're reading this several days into January is excuse-making. There's absolutely no other way to it. We're making excuses. And what did we say last week about if whatever you're going to do in January, you needed to have sorted out several months ago. You can't be going into any transfer window winging it. You have to have a plan. This stinks of winging it now. Do you know, I'm I'm of obviously a certain age and obviously quite a lot older than you two. I have this image of the Portsmouth Football Club PR machine in my head. <laughs> and and for those those listeners out there of a certain age, remember Banda machines. 
And Banda Machines was the early form of the ph photocopier where you had to put alcohol, liquid, all over these rollers. And you, and you basically put this, the, the image you wanted to copy and then roller it through like a whole old hand-cranked ringer, you know. And literally... When I was in junior school in, in you know, the 80s, it was like... D during the war. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, got, you literally... <laughs> oh, you, all right, dinner of the week. <laughs> you literally got drunk off the alcohol fumes, you know, as a, as a 10-year-old. And you'd stand there, and this band machine would just, like, it would smudge everything and all that. Whoever in Portsmouth Football Club thought this was a great story to put out... Be huffing them fumes. They are, they are clearly in a different zone and are literally taking the piss out the intelligence of the average Portsmouth football fan. And if any fan says, oh, if I was offered five grand a week to go to Mansfield, I'll tell you what, if you're an electrician, builder, bus driver, whatever, sell your house tomorrow, go look for one in Mansfield, move, and, you know, enjoy your new job up there. Because I'll tell you now, in three, four weeks, you'll be looking to come back down. Mm, all right. I've just alienated the whole of the yeah. fan base. I, I, just, just, <laughs> just quickly, before we, before we crack on, I've got to say that is the funny. I've never, I haven't laughed like that for a long time. So it, thank you very much. I, I it, needed that. It's a tough one for Carly because <laughs> again, there are elements. <laughs> there are elements of what he says that are hundred percent true. It's the fact that we're being subjected to this story. What's the date today? I actually think right. Why are you looking at that? It's the 9th of January. There are elements of what he says is true, but why the hell do we have to listen to Portsmouth is a tough place a uh, third of the way through? I, the why is it even the story? I actually this think is, lads, it's, just, it's just so crap. I actually think and. Um, I know, look, I'm not um, bad mouthing the newsboys here. They knew what they were doing. And I actually think, if I'm honest, Danny Cowley would probably be quite pissed off that's been put out because look at the reaction. I don't think, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. It's, uh, it, I mean, it, it's done its job, hasn't it? You know, it's, everyone's talking about it. So uh, that, that's how it works in journalism. Uh, big shout out to the newsboys, by the way. And cheers to Neil Allen for mugging me off with that picture because did you see that? Uh, yeah, the, your alternate, uh, your alternate um, was me. <laughs> entity, Exeter. <laughs> cheers to that. Right, um, right, let's wrap up, lads. We're on nearly an hour already. Um, You've uh, got a pack or something. Uh, yeah, I haven't packed my holiday yet. I'm <laughs> lucky I'm even bloody going. <laughs> what Clothes not detected. Absolute idiot. Yeah, thanks. Um, let's have a look at some reaction to that. Um, obviously, uh, reaction for the extra game. What do we make of that one? Actually, got to read the tweet that you put out. I think it was Ryan. Hello, is that extra police station? I'd like to report a crime. Bobby stole it again <laughs> in injury time. That went down well. Uh, I think you put that one, Jeff. Well, what do we make of that one then? Um, Curtis pulled his finger out for the last few minutes but the second half was poor and extra should have smashed us says Mark uh, I think we can all agree that we didn't really deserve that one daylight robbery uh, a lot of people say uh, Lucy says it's a win that's all I'm saying on the matter uh, Jason on a serious note we need to make sure the players we want to get rid of uh, that we get rid of we do because they are uh, well shit and don't make an impact the very good team morale uh, they don't, sorry, they don't impact the very good team morale we have says Jason Bristol dad five minutes uh, first five minutes great last five minutes great the 80 minutes in between were dire Barker to scoring two late goals I don't think one player put in a solid performance looking at your Eastern Road debrief Ryan I was quite obviously I didn't actually watch the game back because uh, I was too busy you know trying Part to uh, bins. yeah look, looking through bins and looking at <laughs> COVID results um but the player ratings, some of the you know some of the standouts that I saw that you gave you know given to players that seemed to, you know would normally be sixes and sevens. I think you gave them quite low 
uh, scores. So I was quite shocked to see that. So was it really that bad? Every central midfielder that played on Friday got a four. So that's Joe Morel and Miguel Aziz that started. Louis Thompson replaced Aziz. If you look at both uh, extra goals from a jump off, because those are readily available to view on whatever device you require, both goals are absolutely horrific defensive positioning and then defensive challenging from the central midfield to the point where they may as well not bother being on the pitch Exeter ran through them both times yeah. to the tune of absolutely no F to challenge whatsoever well, out of position and that, that wasn't the first time I'm just using the goals because again yeah. the goals are the first thing you can see but there were so many times where Exeter would go right down the middle of the pitch with no challenge now as central midfielders yes Morel is better at one thing than he is the other Aziz is likely to be the same Thompson's likely to be the same but when you're a central midfielder and more importantly when you're a central midfield combination you have to have some kind of balance between both sides of the fit uh, both sides of the game attacking and defending being a presence in all three thirds of the field they were that defensively they were non-existent I know they and say and if you consider you know we talk about chance creation Pompey had one shot on target first half the other shots they had were mostly crosses in from wide Lee Brown actually had a fairly solid game first shot the second half 86 minute so not only were the central midfielders shocking defensively and Exeter were able to run through them at will and score two goals to that effect they, they you know we we dig on the forwards for not scoring chances but sometimes there needs to be an element of service there as well and, uh, we didn't create either so that's why they got fours every you know that doesn't mean they're bad players it means they played badly yeah i know they say that you're at your most vulnerable jeff when you just scored i mean that's taken the piss <laughs> literally from the kickoff wasn't yeah it, it literally like, was I, mean, I, I didn't go friday but i was out at um, a friend's birthday party and I, was, I was checking the scores I went, oh great we're one up no it's one all 89th minute, yeah, oh, great, we're losing. When you watch you it know, back, it was inexcusable defending. Well, was and, it, I wouldn't even call that defending, but... But, is what you it know... Is. is what it is, but... It is, but as soon as I saw Aziz on that team sheet, I thought, here we go. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, again, <laughs> you know, almost in Aziz's defence, Morel had a poor night as well, and, you know, that, maybe that could be explained away with... He, he was reportedly one of the players who suffered heavily with that stomach bug I believe he may have also had COVID not played for a while so again it's not bad player just played badly there's a huge difference between the two and it's sometimes I don't think people sometimes understand the difference in that there you go uh, right let's look ahead to what's happening then Cambridge Tuesday in the EFL Trophy oh I'm not going back there sod that and then the next one before we uh, speak again is MK Dons at home uh, so, what are your predictions for that one, Ryan? Cambridge and MK. Sorry, franchise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cambridge, like we probably find a way to sneak through. I'm hoping that the the further removed we are from not playing for a while, the little bit more we know about Cambridge, we can use what should be more an hour locker than what Cambridge has in their locker to go out and win this one on Tuesday. MK Dons. <laughs> Oh, MK Dons are a nightmare of a football team because they are one of the most unique teams in, in the division. The way they are consistently hunting down the ball, consistently using every blade of grass. As, as many games as MK Dons have 68% of the ball, 28 shots and win 3-0, they also chop in one of these games every now and then where they have 75% of the ball. 
42 shots, but they lose 1-0. They had a game against Cheltenham just before we played them and lost at their gaff, where they had 73% of the ball. They essentially spent 65 minutes inside Cheltenham's penalty box. But courtesy of an 87th minute equaliser from Hiram Boateng, Cheltenham has scored their only shot on target uh, to take the lead. MK Dons is going to be an unbelievable task. It always is. What we are now is a much more dogged, resolute, defensively sturdy team. Creating chances, in theory, now that we're a more direct, transitional side through the first, we move the ball quicker. That's where it comes in handy for us. You don't beat this MK Dons team by playing slowly. You beat it by getting the ball beyond that midfield bank, onto the border of their, their third very very quickly and you go at that aged exposed back three now that we are more direct we have a chance to go out and take something good off this mk side we played ourselves into trouble at stadium mk but we're we're different we're a different approach now than what we were then i think actually we have an opportunity for all three against mk ryan's favorite players playing for mk scott twine he is and he never mentioned him i was quite I shocked about keep that. sending him little cute messages he just <laughs> doesn't yeah, respond yeah, I th- I think, and Jeff what's your prediction I, I think weirdly I think we're going to beat Cambridge 2-0 and the, the reason I think that is because I think they use so much energy um, against that Newcastle side that I'm, I'm not sure they'll have much left in the tank for Tuesday against MK Dons I, I just reckon Lewington's going to have an absolute nightmare against Romeo and Harness on that right hand side yep. I really do and that's where, that's where I can see our main threat coming from is against Lewington so I reckon we'll I reckon again we'll, we'll I think we'll win the MK Dons and for whatever reason I've got this weird feeling that it's going to be another Sunderland don't ask me for my predictions I can't even fucking read <laughs> 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 on that bombshell <laughs> lads um uh, one of the funniest episodes we've done uh, all because I'm an idiot um, but yeah pleasure as always and yeah have a good trip I, I, I'm, well I wasn't going half an hour ago <laughs> what an idiot absolute idiot look lads I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm, I'm buzzing for it now I, I was waiting for that result and now I can actually get excited for it I'm gonna go and watch um, the Knicks play basketball against Dallas uh, Ryan you, you must know about American sports is I that, do is that a good game uh, Dallas Mavericks have got quite a few players on their team. The Knicks are sort of rebuilding their organisation. So yeah, yeah, you haven't picked a you haven't picked an absolutely atrocious game to watch. There's some intrigue there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I was trying to go to the uh, I was going to go to the NHL, but because I like, want to see them beat the crap out of each other, but that wasn't on. There's no football on either, or soccer as they call it. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it, and I'll bring you, you know, both a little present. You know, soccer is the actual name of football in the UK. Is it really? According it to Spotify, is. our podcast called American Football as well. Because soccer was the nickname for association football. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it, it comes from Oxford, I believe, yeah. where they called rugby ruggers. They called football soccer. Because uh, if you take the middle part of association, it's S-O-C-C. So they've taken it from that. There we go. Right. Off to Hooters I go then, boys. Uh, have a good one. And I will see you all next week, hopefully. We'll be talking... I'll be jet-lagged to fuck, by the way. Uh, But we'll be talking about two good results for Pompey, Cambridge and MK Dons. That's episode eight in the bag. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network.